very different kind of year and birthday for me because I used to walk into these things like so depressed because they were like, it was another reminder that I wasn't, you know, yet in the place, you know, I was yet in the place where I was doing the thing that I was created for, you know, the thing we're waiting on, promises fulfilled and all that. This year it was really different it, um, because I don't have that same feeling. I have actually a more of a feeling of expectation than anything that things are really about to flip on a dime in significant ways, you know, as we kind of walk into an era. You know, I talk about this a lot, where things are accelerated, where time is redeemed, and literally um, things are shifting very quickly at the front end of 2020. We're not that far into 2020, and things are already like going crazy in a great way. In terms of revival, in terms of things breaking out, in terms of things happening with um, in record speed, things that would take you know ten years otherwise to happen, you know are happening in a day. Good morning. Uh, yes, Vicky and Danny. I, good morning. So, all right. So you know, I always talk about you know on the way in in the car. You know, that's my sanctuary, and that's the place where God speaks to me. It's like you got certain places, right? You know, where you're washing dishes, you're in the car, you know, you're in the shower. <laughs> it's like any place that he could get us alone for five minutes where we're not just totally distracted becomes a place of just being able to have um, communion with him. It's crazy. Um, it's really easy to let that time go away and have busyness in life take things up. And I think that's part of the enemy's strategy is to keep us so busy and into the crazy chaos of the world, not the holy chaos of living in a place of um, uncharted territory, you know, unscripted life, you know, dependent upon him, hearing his voice and, and seeing the God of the miraculous every day, the God of the impossible. That's where, we're, where we need to live and that's where we were made to live. But I think the enemy just likes to keep us at a place of being constantly distracted so that we can't just focus. But that's part of the word that I have for today. Um, so the first picture I had was me coming home every day after school. Okay, so our house, the way it's put together is you, we come in through a garage that you, it's a bonus room and I call it the bonus room, not because it has a nice pool table or you know entertainment center out there, because it has all the bonus in it, right? It has all the stuff. Because we don't have the garage, that bonus room becomes everything room, right? But you go into the laundry room and there's a door that opens this way and there's a door on the other side of the laundry, at the end of the laundry room, but the doors do this, right? So getting through those doors, depending on which way they're gone, which, one, which door is overlapped on the other could be crazy in and of itself. And if you know me, you know that chewing gum and walking is like not good for me. You know, I can't text and walk because I'll, I would wander into traffic. And, you know, I do graceful things all by myself, you know, like knocking uh, thermostat units off the walls in restaurants just by walking down the hall. You know, so my joke is I could knock something off the wall from over here. And um, so, you know, very graceful and whatnot. But usually on my way home, okay, here's my little routine. Here's what it looks like. Okay, I got my gym bag because I've been to the gym either that morning or that afternoon. I've got my book bag, which is no small feat in itself, right? 
then I have whatever I bought at the grocery store, bags of other stuff, because I'm not one of those people, whoop, trying to get the lights to go back on, right, motion sensor. Um, I'm not one of those people that actually can plan, like my mom always would love for me to be able to do, plan a meal, you know, like go shopping once and um, buy everything for the week. That's not me. My idea of shopping for dinner is um, thinking about what I want to eat on the way home um, from, from work or gym or whatever, right? So that's my idea of shopping. So I have those bags and inevitably, you know, I don't usually want to um, take all of those. <laughs> right, thank you. <laughs> right, thank you, Marsha. I don't usually want to make more than one trip. I don't know if it's a man thing. I don't know what it is, you know, whatever. So I'll have, you know, bags literally hanging all over me. And then I come through the door and I have the same comment every time. It's like, I'll blame it on the door. You know, it's not the door's fault that I, you know, I'm like, you know, coming through this door is just always like a feat, you know, and I'll have the same kind of frustrated kind of, you know, make you want to say something that David Hogan would say, I'm being funny there, but you know, you have that little thing go through your head, like, oh my gosh, just getting through this door is like painful, you know I mean? Like, I can't get through the door. And my temptation is to blame the door. Well, those doors weren't like that, and da 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 The doors that are opening are opening, and there are doors that are opening that no man can shut. Okay, so doors are about to fly wide open in every place, all over the place for, for, for many of us. They're flying wide open. And when we get through one door, there are several doors beyond that. So literally in this era, it's like walking through a door that leads to a series of doors. And those doors represent the favor of heaven. Those are the things that are happening now that, you know, there's so many things right now that are happening very easily that we couldn't do not even a year ago, two years ago, or three years ago. There is an ease with which, in this context of revival, that things are happening easy. And that's part of what it looks like when we have redeemed time. When God is redeeming time in an accelerated season, you know, there is an ease with which we're not trying. We're not, we don't have to try hard. We just have to show up and God just begins to do crazy stuff, right? And I think that's part of the metaphor for us is that our job is to show up and God's doing it. And we're always working from a place of rest as an 11th hour worker coming in on the heels of the entire, you know, history of the church on the planet. So every age of the church is converging now and everything is available now. And, you know, I say this a lot, but I like to repeat it. You know, we're in a place now where we can handle walking in the unseen realm and not having to see everything because we know more of who we are, right? Egypt and orphan are, are mostly gone, right? And um, we're in a very different place. We have very messy journeys, and God's not been concerned with that as much as the fact that we know the God that we know that we found in the fire. We found him in the fire, we haven't lost him, and we're still standing with him, and we're still moving forward. And so there's an ease in a, in a multiplied grace kind of a fact, fashion in favor of God for things to happen easily. Things are peaked right now. I mean, 
And that's why we're gonna see more suddenlies and more immediate transformations. Like my wife talks about, like the um, Gadarene demoniac who goes from being fully demonized, obviously, to being a preacher sent out and preaches to 10 towns. That's the kind of transformation that we're gonna see in people. So we, we have to look at it through the lens of the farmer that goes to sleep at night and he wakes up to a harvest because so much has been sown and done in the background. And he looks at it and he says, I don't know how this could be. How did I go to sleep to one thing and wake up to a harvest? Because the God who has been preparing this move for this era, for this season, for an appointed time, such a time as this, has been working all through the ages in the background to bring us into this place of convergence, not only in our personal lives and ministry, but in this age of the era of the church that we're living in right now. So think of it as the grand tipping point, the granddaddy tipping point of tipping points. That's where we're, we're sitting right there. And I would say that there is an avalanche and a multitude of tipping points all over because there has been a seismic shift in the land. And in that seismic shift, in terms of revival, we have um, things that have been previously very challenging to do are now much easier because the shift has moved us into a place where even the enemy has had less of a hold because the mandate of heaven is so strong and so powerful and it's, and it's Jesus is getting his inheritance, okay? He's coming to get his, but in that shift, and I talked about it before, I think the impeachment process was a nice metaphor of evil having its best heyday and, and giving it everything evil had, but evil lost. The showdown was lost. It was a showdown between good and evil, the kingdom of heaven and the kingdom of darkness, and darkness lost. And I believe metaphorically, it's indicative of a shift in the earth where we shift into greater favor and greater open doors and things happening with greater ease because in many places that shift has broken the power of the chains that have kept things locked tight. The promises locked tight, the prophetic words in our lives locked tight. There's been an aspect of things being locked down that could never get quite free or loose and then we walk into a place where suddenly all of those things begin to happen. Promise fulfilled, promise fulfilled, prophetic word fulfilled. You know, we're in a season of great fulfillment overnight. And so he's been preparing that landscape in our heart all along for a landscape that was so much larger than we could ever imagine. And here we are, we're in it. And so we've been in that process. And so when I fuck, go back to my door illustration about me getting through the door with all my bags and my, you know, gym bag, whole nine yards, right? The problem is not the door. The doors are open. But one of the things that is going to happen as we go through the doors, you know, is that we're going to lose some of our baggage. In other words, the simple answer to me walking through the door at the end of the day with my book bag and my gym bag and my grocery bags and everything all at once is simply to walk them in one at a time. But no, I don't do that. I have to go for the whole 
you know, kit caboodle and try to get through, and then I'll complain about how narrow the door seems. Some doors are narrow, some doors are wide. And when they're narrow, we have to let go of baggage. In a wide door, there is grace to walk through, and we've walked through one, a, a huge wide door, but as we come up to these next doors, some of them are more narrow, and we have to leave things behind that we could not carry with us. We can't take with us. Some of that baggage might be a sin habit. Some of it might be a mindset. Some of it might be you know, a plan that you, that you or I were trying to work out in our own flesh, or places where we tried to walk by the light, by the light that we created, as opposed to the light that he created, Isaiah 51 in there. Well, if you walk by the light of your own fire, this is what you'll have from my hand. He says, you will lie down in torment. We're leaving torment behind, okay? We're not taking torment with us. And so in some of the doors that we're opening to us right now, there are things that cannot go with us. Things that are part of this era need to be cut off and removed. And the bags are going to drop off of us as we go through them. Some of them are going to drop off just as we walk through. And it's not a time to overly focus on trying to fix something or to get it all right in every place as much as it is to keep moving through the door. Because I feel like the Lord has said, he said this to me several times, there are certain things that you've been focused on and worried about, you know, places in your attitude, places in your habits, places, whatever, that are, you know, that bother you about the things that have kind of clung to us from previous seasons. It's like as you run and as you go through the door, they're literally going to fall off and blow off and be shaken off of you. So don't get distracted by what you're still struggling with. Going through a door can be awkward and clumsy, like even when I have all of those bags trying to make it through a door, right? But when you go through a narrow door, you can't take them with you and the clumsiness falls off. Part of what makes it clumsy is trying to carry too much through it. So we have to lose some things to get through it. And like I said, part of that is gonna be mindset. You know, um, the other thing that came up this morning as I was coming in, I just thought, and I haven't studied this enough, but it was just enough for me to kind of um, think about what I want to talk about. Um, okay, the, the parable where Jesus heals the blind man and he prays for him twice in Mark chapter 8. And I was just pondering that one. And he says, you know, do you see anything? Right? He asked the man, um, all right, let me paint the picture first. This whole thing comes on the heels. Let me just read it. All right, it says, blah, 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 blah. I'm going to go back to verse uh, 17. Knowing what they were thinking, because he had just said, beware the yeast of the Pharisees, and they were dense. They weren't getting it. Knowing what they were thinking, Jesus said to them, why all this fussing over forgetting to bring bread? Do you still not see or understand what I say to you? Are your hearts still hard? You have good eyes, yet you still don't see, and you have good ears, yet you still don't hear. Neither do you remember when I multiplied the bread to feed more than 5,000 people. How many baskets full of leftovers did you gather afterwards? 12, they replied. And when I multiplied the food to feed over 4,000, how many basketfuls leftovers did you get at, gather afterwards? Seven, they replied. Interesting numbers, 12 and seven. 
that that's how it is, then how is it that you still don't get it? On the heels of that, right, Mark, the writer of this gospel, he puts right on the heels of the whole conversation about the bread, the healing of the blind eyes. He says, when they arrived at Bethesda, Bethsaida, sorry, that's one other story I love, Beth Bethesda, <laughs> some people brought a blind man to Jesus, begging him to touch him and heal him. So Jesus led him as a sighted guide outside the village. That has been where we've been living for a long time. We've been led by the hand by a sighted guide coming through the wilderness, coming into this era. We, you know, he led us by our hand into this place and the places we could not see and the places we could not understand. He has taken us by his hand and led us. And that's how we've come here. For most of us, the journey has been messy, but we were always aware that he had my hand and he was leading me. And so when we are completely blind and we don't know what's going on and we don't have a perspective and we're looking into all of this and we can't see, he comes and leads us by his hand and he literally takes us. Um, it says, um, da -da -da -da. okay, he places, okay, he takes him outside the village and he placed his saliva on the man's eyes. I want you to think of saliva metaphorically as the baptismal waters and uh, Dawsonville and Remnant and, every, uh, and many other places. It's a point of contact. Why did he do it this way? A lot of people have pondered that question. But for this man who was probably less believing and for the disciples who were obviously having a hard time and maintaining their faith, even though they were seeing everything, he does something with a point of contact that I think is interesting. So he says, um, he placed his saliva on the man's eyes and covered them with his hands. Then he asked him, now do you see anything? That verb is imperfect. Um, that the tense is imperfect, which, which suggests that it was gonna be a process. In other words, Jesus wasn't caught off guard by praying for this man twice. He knew that he was going to pray for his pray for him twice and that at this stage he would only partially be seeing jesus wasn't it wasn't a lack on jesus's part to pray for this man twice he knew because that verb like i said is an imperfect verb meaning it was going to be processed so he says now do you see anything yes he said my sight is coming back i'm beginning to see people but they look like trees walking trees Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time and made him look up. I like that. Made him look up. This second touching of the man's eyes is what God is doing with so many of us as we come through the doors. And even some of the doors that are narrow, where the baggage we're carrying has to fall off for us to go through the door. And we have to look up and we have to listen and we have to be connected to the one who is leading us by the hand through the door. Okay, so he looks up and he touches his eyes again. Everything is about perception. You know, everything. If I, I always say to my students, I say, okay, if I told my daughters that they were ugly and stupid their whole life and they were beautiful and brilliant, what would they believe? That they were stupid and ugly, right? I tell I'll make a little fun story. If I go out that door and I slam it, what are you guys thinking? They say, well, that you're mad at me. 
what if I'm what if the real reason I walk out and slam the door is I'm having a bad stomach day that if I was staying in the room might be really, really um, awkward. Do I still need to apologize to the people in the room? Yes. Why? Because their perception was that I was angry, not because my intention. So perception is always reality. And sometimes God has to disorient us completely by pulling away every prop, breaking off of us every religious work, taking the things that we've done. There's no more doing things as usual in this era at all. So many of us are experiencing a lot of disorientation because things are that, that used to work aren't working. The ways we used to be able to do things aren't happening because everything is new. And you can't walk into a season and an era of accelerated time and redeemed time where things are happening and, and, and just like profoundly quick. Things that are, take a, usually take 10 years are taking a day. You're watching people go into the water and come out immediately transformed. In order for that to happen, things have to change. And usually it's the mindset and the perception that has to change. And so part of what happens in the disorientation is God reorients us in a place where we look up to him. We, we feel disoriented, we feel discombobulated because the level and the magnitude of the change that's taking place as in this era of just profound grace and favor is so fast and happening so rapidly that we lose sight in the middle of that. And part of what has to happen for us is we have to have our perspectives realigned and our vision realigned so that we're not aligned with what's old, but we are realigned with what he's doing in the moment today, that which is new. And that's what I feel like in this passage that I'm highlighting. He says, yes, he says there he sees men walking like trees. Jesus put his hands over the man's eyes a second time, made him look up, right? The man opened his eyes wide and he could see everything perfectly. His eyesight was completely restored. I just submit that this wasn't just the physical healing of the man's sight. It was a healing of the man's perspective. We know that he wasn't born blind because he could actually, he could tell you that he saw trees. So he had seen before. We don't know how he became blind. It doesn't matter. Just like when we get into the water, it doesn't matter how you got there. It doesn't matter what happened before you got there. All that matters is that you are there and you're being transformed in this instant. Jesus is not looking at your messy journey at that juncture. He's looking at where you're going. He's looking at what he's calling you into. He's looking at who you really are. And that transformation that's taking place on the inside as you step into the water and come out of the water metaphorically is a change of perspective. Sometimes we have to be in a place where we are so disoriented because it's the only way that God can literally break off everything that's familiar and lead us by the hand. And that's why he leads us, I think, in those places by the hand. He knows we're not seeing rightly, right? He knows our perspective has to be renewed. And it isn't until we have that encounter with him that our vision changes. We have to have the tangible encounter of his presence and an encounter with Jesus. That's what this man had. 
He had a very tangible spit on the eyes encounter. I think it's super cool that what Jesus did here was a point of contact with his spit on his eyes. Basically, he baptized the man's eyes so that he could see. He touched them and he had a physical encounter with him in order to, op in order to open not only his physical sight, but more importantly, his ability to see that which is not seen, to see into the unseen realm, to look intently, right? To see with your mind. There is a birthing of imagination that God is doing in this reciting and this revisioning and in this re being able to see and have our perspective, this re-perspectivizing that God is doing is Part of what he's doing in that is he's enabling us to see with a Christ-infused mind and our imagination to see what it is he's doing so that we are walking in the unseen and the unseen real is more real than what we're seeing. We cannot look to what we're seeing. We can look only to what he is doing. So we literally are in the place where, we, where we've always meant to be. I am in heaven and I'm on earth at the same time. I am seated with him and I'm here. And so we are walking with heaven perspective so that we can bring and be a part of bringing heaven to earth. Let your kingdom come, your will be done on earth as it is in heaven. He is reciting and reorienting and re-perspectivizing us. He is touching our eyes again for the second time to clear our vision. So I just say, get ready for a clearer vision. The things that have been obscure are suddenly becoming clear. And that's part of what I believe God is doing right now as I turn on my lights, right? Metaphor, ta-da, <laughs> right? So things that are have been obscured, I believe are clearing up for you and for me. We're starting to see what he's actually doing. And this is a year 2020 of perfect vision. So we're coming into a place where we see things more clearly than we've ever seen them before. There is an appointed time for this kind of seeing and this kind of entering in to an era where transformation is wholly completed and God is transforming people in one encounter in ways that we've never seen before as they come up out of the water, literally, metaphorically, and otherwise. It's a new place that requires new eyes. It requires another touch, a tangible encounter with heaven for us to see rightly. That's what he's doing. He is touching your eyes and my eyes. So now we will see with great clarity, that which was once obscure. We're coming out of obscurity into a place of seeing and being seen, which has so many implications. So blessings, guys. Share this. Let me know what you think. Um, love hearing your thoughts. And I'll talk to you all again.